Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, once again coming to you from the Above the Law bunker uh, in an undisclosed location where we've been sent away to uh, to write out the plague. So I uh, hope everyone out there is doing well. Today we are going to have a conversation about uh, aspects of the legal profession that we don't always talk about here. But before we get to that, I'm going to thank our sponsors from Logical. So trying to cut costs? You're not alone. In today's climate, a five-figure e-discovery bill per month is steep. Don't pay that. Use Logical to reduce expense and control your discovery process. Get started for only $250 per matter, and they'll waive migration costs from competing platforms. For more information, visit logical.com slash LTN. That's logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash L-T-N. Well, great. Well, thanks for coming and listening to us today. Our guest today is Aaron Pierce, who's the GM of CouncilLink, which is one of the many members of the LexisNexis family. Uh, welcome to the party. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate <laughs> having you here. Well, thanks. So CouncilLink, we, we talk a lot on this show about all sorts of stuff, but we don't often talk about you know, what's going on with the people inside, uh, the, the client side, sort of, uh, and what they're doing. Uh, CouncilLink, so talk a little bit about what CouncilLink offers, folks. Sure, absolutely. So CouncilLink is an enterprise legal management solution for corporate legal departments. And so we provide legal spend management for outside counsel spend. We provide work management for managing the uh, the work on legal matters within the legal department and collaboration with outside counsel. Uh, and then we provide vendor management, which allows uh, the corporate clients to understand a little bit more about how their outside counsel and their legal service vendors are performing and help them to sort of scorecard and manage and understand a little bit more about that work that they're uh, they're collaborating on. Yeah, you know, in the past, uh, we chatted, and I thought that uh, one thing about CouncilLink that struck me was it comes into a, a – it fills a situation in the legal life cycle that we don't – that we're a little uncomfortable about. And I think everyone's a little uncomfortable about, which is the part where we get paid, where we pay people and get paid. <laughs> yep. And it's really weird that we talk about getting paid, but from a lawyer's perspective, as much as you might want that money, they're somewhat awkward about going to the client and asking for money. And likewise, the client is a little awkward about having to fight with the lawyers about the money. Uh, it's This whole area of how one gets paid is kind of an awkward place for the legal profession. But it's really important, uh, I think, is is what I'm going to get at. So talk about the pay cycle issue and this problem, this kind of almost emotional problem that people have about not wanting to talk about the money, because it has real consequences when people don't get the job done of paying and getting paid. Sure. No, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so so counseling, um, 
you know, in some ways can kind of play that bad cop role with the good cop, bad cop situation. You know, inside counsel, work with outside attorneys. Oftentimes they have personal relationships. Oftentimes they've, you know, went to school together, worked together at private practice, uh, you know, worked together within corporate situations. And so, you know, in a lot of ways, counseling can help kind of mediate that relationship, certainly apply uh, guidelines, adjustments, uh, you know, manage uh, some of the the outside vendor uh, invoices that come in and, and ideally put a little bit more of a data-based lens on things versus a subjective lens that you might kind of traditionally get in a situation where you're just kind of um, ad hoc reviewing invoices that come in or kind of manually adjusting or, or writing on invoices. Um, and so it does provide some tools there and some support to be able to help that relationship out. I mean, you know, most attorneys are interested in practicing law, not interested in managing receivables or trying to go out and do collections or trying to go out and kind of worry about whether their uh, their invoices are getting paid or not. So, you know, a lot of ways counseling can help with that particular arrangement. Yeah. And it's increasingly when I talk to lawyers about the art of getting paid, it's also becoming more complex. Uh, the work that they do uh, not only that there's regulations up and changing about what they do, but on the client side, there's more requirements, uh, different formats in which they want work described and how to do it. It just is so much more of a complex endeavor these days. Gone are the days where a partner will just write further work or whatever in their diary and right. move on with their <laughs> life. You know, uh, And part of that, though, as much as it's they might get some complaints from the lawyers. It's to capture usable data, really, right? Like it, the reason they want a standardized description of stuff is so that it can be something that can be used. For years, they've been collecting these diaries of what their lawyers are doing and just kind of looking them over and then they go away. But now you can really get some usable data out of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you strike a balance between you know, when in traditionally, when you're working very closely with outside counsel, you might have engaged, you, you know, you may have a pretty good understanding of the, the strategy and the approach of a particular uh, matter that you're working on. And, and so you're less worried about the details of that arrangement. But as, as companies and as law firms get a little bit more mature in how they want to track and forecast and begin to understand, you know, commonalities in the work that's being done, want to be able to take a, you know, do some process improvement, uh, improve, uh, efficiencies, uh, then having that additional data becomes more useful. And so while it can be a little bit more onerous on the law firm submitting invoices, it is in the name of having a better data set to draw from when you're looking at um, how you can kind of make similar decisions in the future or ultimately um, save expenses. And certainly, uh, particularly this year, where we can save expenses, where we can cut down on um, you know, uh, overspending and where we can kind of be more efficient is, is going to be valuable. Well, because a lot of times if you're in the middle of something, you don't really see what's going on around you. You know, you're, you're, you're processing the bills on 40 matters. You don't really see these kind of trends jumping out at you. Uh, and you're not able to make decisions about the future course of how to make efficient decisions, where to spend, maybe even where to change counsel, uh, where to redirect counsel to new things. You may not see that from a data point here and there, but there's trends that can be gleaned from it, right? Yeah, it's a definite forest forest and trees, right? Yeah. I mean, you spend a lot of time looking at the individual trees or looking at the individual invoices. 
Um, and if your tool supports the ability to do analytics the way counseling does, or the ability to pull kind of high level information on what you've done, you know, across the spectrum of the case that you're working on, for example, then you can kind of make those course corrections or you can, uh, you know, begin to think about, you know, do we need to do something a little bit differently here now halfway through or, you know, two thirds of the way through that you may not, you may not see otherwise just looking kind of invoice by invoice by invoice as they come in and come through. Yeah. So what? So yeah. I guess we've we've danced around some of the stuff as far as trends. What sorts of usable trends can one get from this body of data? We've worked on efficiency and what to do, but are there just generally other things that one can grab from it? Uh, like other understanding what industries you need to worry about or whatever. Uh, is that stuff you can get from a good body of data here? Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Ultimately, you're looking at accomplishing some, you know, solving some business problem or solving some um, some legal problem that you're looking at, and you want to be able to do that in the most efficient way you possibly can. You want to identify trends as they may be coming, and so, you know, the ability to more closely match how much money I'm spending, how much effort I'm putting in to the outputs that you're getting is is critical. You know, traditionally. Um, we'll have kind of an hourly uh, fee uh, arrangement or an hourly engagement with with counsel. Um, but the more you look at data and the more you can identify trends, you know this this type of work. Maybe I'm dealing with a particular contract uh, work or I'm dealing with a particular uh, M and A type engagement. Like maybe the same factors will come through repeatedly as I continue to look at my data, and we can begin to say, uh, you know, this is going to cost me generally about this much money. I want to make a repeatable process. I want my I want my firms to believe that they're going to be able to get kind of a fair and, and predictable amount of money. I want to be able to have a predictable amount for my budget uh, organization. And so, you know, how do I take a look at the data that we have and identify that for this type of work within a certain uh, range above or below, it's going to be about this much money and begin to engage in kind of flat rate or uh, kind of non-hourly engagements from a from a fee perspective. And so that really is is something that CounselLink is super powerful at being able to handle and negotiate and track from a data standpoint, as well as from, uh, you know, an, an engagement standpoint as you work with your outside counsel. Well, you know, that's interesting. We've talked about the alternative fee arrangement forever. And as much as we've talked about it, it seems like the billable hour just won't totally go away. But are you seeing through some of the work that you've done that, that there is more appetite for some alternative fee arrangements, if not overall, at least within certain practice areas or certain sorts of work? Certainly within different practice areas, you are going to see a continued increase in alternative fees mm. uh, and non-hourly fee engagements. And so we track that data within CounselLink uh, and we publish a trends report on an annual basis that sort of speaks to some of those factors. Um, and within different uh, industries, you know, employment is one of the areas where you're going to start to see some flat fees coming in. Um, certainly, you're going to see, uh, you know, in different kind of repeated processes like contracts and and uh, kind of general corporate um, and administrative, you're going to see a lot of flat fee uh, engagements going on there as well. But over time, we see and have historically seen a gradual increase. So um, certainly the hourly uh, billing is not going away, but within CounselLink, at least, we are certainly seeing our clients um, heavily using them uh, kind of across the board. That's interesting to me because it always... You know, a lot of the stuff we talk about in law for years has been, you know, not as data informed as it could be. Uh, and we kind of anecdotally would talk about these alternatives. But it seems as though what you're saying may be that the more people 
can actually dig into the numbers and understand what's really happening year over year, it makes some of these alternatives a little bit more attractive to them. It does. It's important to not kind of let the perfect be the enemy of the good in uh-huh. some of these, right? So you you could spend an awful lot of time doing deep analysis uh, and and sort of be paralyzed by that analysis and not come to a point where you're you're able to make some decisions and, and just kind of get collaborative with the the firms that you're working with and come to some agreements. Well, let's try some things. Let's let's work on something that's going to be a benefit to you and 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 be a benefit to me as well, both from a kind of predictability and a budget standpoint. Uh, and so if you're willing to engage in those, and, and certainly some of our clients are a little bit more forward thinking in terms of uh, you know where they can try to be creative and where they find some firms that are willing to be creative along with them, uh, you can see a lot of benefit that comes from it. Well, you know, that's interesting because we're focusing on the money uh, side of it, but there's a client relationship dimension to this too, right? If you If you can settle the finance issue and you can start to understand what really is going into your relationship, what you're asking the attorney to do and what the attorney's asking the client to accept, it can really change the dynamic of how that relationship works in a fundamental way. Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean, I think the, you know, kind of nobody's really in this business to think about collections, to think about the details of money, to to worry about sort of how fast they're going to get paid or when they're going to get paid. Um, And so the more that that we can remove those concerns from the table, the more likely you are to be able to successfully kind of build that partnership and work together. I mean, this is not a kind of strict, um, you know, employer-employee type relationship. Mm-hmm. This is this is a partnership between outside counsel and, and in-house firms. And so, you know, within CounselLink, among other things, we, you know, we look for ways that we can help the firms to understand more about kind of what they're signing up for and what they're working on and how they're going to, how they're able to deliver on those things. Um, and we're also looking at, um, at ways that we can help eliminate some of the payment problems. And so there's a couple of new things that we've uh, launched over the course of this year that are beneficial, both from a, you know, from a payment and collection standpoint as well uh, on the counseling side. Okay. So I'm going to ask the obvious follow-up. What are the, <laughs> what are the new launches? Yeah, so we, uh, we're we really excited about one new uh, offering that we have in market. It's called CounselLink Fast Track, um, and it is through a partnership with a uh, financing company called LSQ that's been around for a couple of decades. Um, and the goal there is um, for our CounselLink clients to be able to get their firms paid immediately. So upon invoice approval, those firms get paid within 24 hours uh, by LSQ. Uh, And then the firms or rather the clients have uh, normal payment terms in order to pay that back. So they have that kind of their normal 45 days or even more to make that payment. And so it's really kind of a win-win from a financing perspective. Client gets to take their, their longer time to pay. Law firms get paid immediately as we're dealing with kind of uncertain economic times, particularly this year. It's um, it's really resonating with uh, with both clients and and with law firms. Yeah, that's that is interesting. I hadn't even thought about the idea of shortening the cycle on both sides. Kind of, um, yeah. It's really a it's really kind of a traditional supply chain financing solution, but it just hasn't really been applied in the legal space previously. And so um, it's something that we've been able to to get out and market. And, and uh, like I said, particularly now, it's seen a lot of really good response. Cool. So yeah, no, it, it, it is really, it's really interesting because, you know, I, I can see ways in which this isn't just the traditional, I, like I, I'm, I'm thinking about this as I'm listening to it too, because I'm processing all that you're saying. 
like if I'm a client, which I've never been really the client on anything. I was always the lawyer who needed to be paid. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I had a I had a bias. But if I'm trying to manage something, knowing that this particular attorney, outside attorney, every time I give them X task, they turn it in fine. It costs this. I understand. It's clockwork. I mean, then I'm not going to be writing them as much as I might somebody who's never done that before. And likewise, if I see some specific project takes too long, I, you know, can make some decisions about that, which I've never really thought of it as a relationship management dimension. I've always thought of it as somebody needs to pay me for what I've done. Maybe they fire me, maybe they don't, whatever. But the internal working relationship of knowing I got to be on top of somebody about this and not about this and so on can really, as much as it's awkward to talk about the money, knowing about the money flow uh, can really inform that. That's interesting. It's a whole new dimension to how why we should care about this that I think a lot of people don't think of. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and, and you know, until we have uh, robots practicing law, right. there's always going to be human elements here, right? And so ultimately, it's going to be human relationships and human elements that you're going to want to continue to build. And the data and the tools that you use are just ways that are going to help kind of inform how you might approach some of those human relationships. Yeah. I can even see cross-sell opportunities like being revealed by this sort of thing, you know? Um, Very interesting. So with that said, is there any, you know, I mean, we talked about the, the uncertain times and this, this kind of gap bridging measure. Are there any other trends from your reports that you put out that are jumping out at you as this is something that I didn't expect to see, but this is what we've learned? Well, you know, I mean, I think the most relevant is that uh, we we didn't expect to have a uh, global pandemic uh, well, sure. in 2020. I mean, nobody saw that one coming. Uh, and so, you know, Did as you we see think it about... Data? I, you know what, we looked, well, I'm gonna have to go back through it and double check, but I don't remember seeing anything. Wait a minute. (laughs) What's going on with our overseas spend? Yeah. Um, But, but it really just drives home the fundamentals to me. I mean, it really just drives home, you know, everybody right now is looking at their expense lines and are taking a look at what they're spending and are tightening the belt. And as we've gone through a number of years of kind of economic growth, uh, it's a little bit of cold water to have splashed on you to start thinking more about how do we tighten the belt. But you really are going to be driven to, you know, try to save those expenses, cut back on things in, in 2020, sometimes pretty drastically. Uh, you know, here at Counseling, we're, you know, obviously we're able to cut money on travel. For example, we're not traveling places. Right. Uh, and so other companies are going to find similar things where they're, where it's kind of easy money to find. But you know, you're also looking at, you know, where are my opportunities to, to shave on, on what I'm spending? And so from a, from a data perspective, again, looking at, at fixed fee engagements, looking at alternative fee engagements, looking at ways that you can um, kind of track and monitor the performance of your, of your outside firms. And, and now may be the time that you look at the, the two or three or four or five firms that have provided you the most value and double down a little bit. But we're also going to see firms, uh, in particular, smaller firms or more boutique firms that are having significant financial difficulties in 2020. And so you may have firms that you rely on for a particular piece of work that is going to have some struggles. And so the more you can offer them, you know, again, creative payments or creative uh, arrangements from a from an engagement perspective, I think it's now is the time to start thinking 
you know, before it is too late about where you can get more creative about some of those things. That's an interesting angle. I, I think that one of the themes that I've harped on for the last several years that the, is the growing gap between the elite, elite law firms and the rest of the pack with the boutiques and small firms kind of picking up on the back end that more and more clients, I felt, I've, at least in the data I've seen, seem to be saying, I don't need big firm around 100 or 150. I can use a boutique or small firm for that. And the only times I really go to the big players are when, you know, it's a bet the company sort of situation and it's that that goes to the elite. But this is interesting to me because as I'm hearing it, what I'm thinking is, well, is there going to be so much immediate cash flow pressure that some of these smaller and boutique firms that have been really thriving in this environment where clients are expanding out and giving more work to them, maybe that will ease back a little bit and they'll be in a bit of a, a pinch. I hadn't thought about that. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely a concern, right? And, yeah. and absent a solution like Fast Track where you can get folks paid more quickly, you, right. you want to look at opportunities to engage and you know, firms that aren't using those kinds of tools uh, will need to to think about other ways to help keep their their outside counsel afloat as well. I think it's I think we're kind of all in this together, and so the ways that you can, you know, help help solve your um, your firm's problems as well is something should be top of mind. Yeah, because when Scadden doesn't get paid for ninety days, it's a problem, but it's one that they can they can weather pretty well. But when a boutique doesn't get paid for ninety or a hundred days, it right. can be the difference in keeping the door open, you know? Yeah. yeah. They may be getting foreclosed on their home at that point. Right? Yeah. So there's, there's certainly uh, challenges there. That's why, again, getting paid, we all try to pretend that it, it's this problem out there that we don't really want to address, but there's real consequences to not being on top of how you manage your pay cycle. Fascinating. All right. Well, is there anything coming up and interesting that you uh, want to alert us to? Any new reports coming? Any new uh, features about to launch? Yeah. So uh, within the next uh, month or so, we're going to be launching our updated um, Counseling Trends report. We do an annual release that kind of goes through our uh, data that's stored within Counseling and does some analysis around just the things we talked about today, right? Outside uh, counsel fees, how they've changed over time, kind of what, uh, how geography might impact things. Um, and so as you go to counseling.com, you can find a way to get to our, uh, our trends report. Um, and we will be coming out with a, a kind of a refresh of that um, as well for, for 2020. And we'll start to see a little bit about how the last year is done and, and look forward to what, uh, what we might be able to get through this year as we're navigating the waters. Yeah. I, I assume that report is through like year end of 2019. It probably doesn't. Yeah. Have, so yeah. we'll not, we'll not yet talk about the, uh, the pandemic, but certainly yeah. next year's report may be a lot more interesting from yeah, a I, uh, trends perspective. I obviously I'm interested in the upcoming report, but I'm very interested in the report the year after. I think that's gonna, yes. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot to dig through, uh, and a lot of stuff to find buried within little nuggets of, uh, of data that were out there. And, Hey, like the, I think we've said a few times on this show that way in which usable data is, you know, the golden ticket these days uh, to find something that you can actually make strategic decisions based on. And it seems like we don't think about the money, but 
the pay cycle is one where there's a lot of data to be had. And that's where Council Link seems to come in. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. That's uh, Aaron Pierce. He's the GM of Council Link. Uh, and a lot of food for thought out there for you practicing lawyers. If you don't have Council Link keeping track of what's going on for you, then you could, you could have some issues. Uh, so... Thanks for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You should be subscribed to the show, giving reviews to the show. You should be reading Above the Law. You should be following me on Twitter, at Joseph Patrice. You should be listening to the other Legal Talk Network shows. You should be listening to The Jabot with Catherine Vino. And you should also be checking out Logical, uh, who sponsors this program. So with all that said, we'll check in with you again uh, in the near future. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.